What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 67 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Corey, week two is in the books. Definitely gives us a little bit more to kind of see how teams built on their week one performance, whether it was good or maybe time to panic a little bit now if certain teams drop into 0-2. There was definitely some eye-opening performances, specifically at the quarterback position this past week, as well as some unbelievable comebacks, really, all day on Sunday. And then prime time, a weird, weird schedule this week, the two Monday night games. I, I wouldn't say they were necessarily great games, but they were two real good performances from two really good teams. So I'm definitely excited to get into it and talk about week two. Yeah, for sure, Pay. I mean, we, we talked about it last week, like week one, obviously it's the first game of the season, a lot of overreacting, but then, yeah, week two, teams go out and um get to prove and like build off week one or teams get to flip the script in week one, like depending on how you played. Yeah, I mean, some teams went out there, put up another poor performance, some played good again, and some, uh, yeah, some flipped the script and uh, balled out in week two. But, yeah, we'll get into that. And uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, let's start with the positives, Corey. Let's talk about some guys who specifically did ball out this past weekend. The Miami Dolphins had a lot of hype coming into them going into the year, core with Tyreek Hill coming in, Mike McDaniel coming over from the San Francisco 49ers to be their new head coach. And it was really the year for Tua to finally show, could he be a franchise quarterback for them? Well, through two weeks, Corey, the Miami Dolphins are 2-0. and And after this past week's performance, I mean – he definitely silenced some haters to a tug of Iloa. 469 yards in the air, six total touchdowns, and a 42-38 victory against the Baltimore Ravens. They were down 21 points, I believe, late in the third quarter, or even maybe early in the fourth quarter in this game, and they come all the way back. I mean, again, it was I, – I don't, I don't know what was going on with the Ravens secondary. Definitely a talented group, but one that was just not – like communicating well at all, or maybe their plan was to let Tua beat them deep, but it just didn't work. Tyree Kill was seen behind the defense often. Uh, Jalen Waddle also had an unbelievable game. I mean, both of those guys, Hill, I have 11 catches, 190 yards, and two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle, 11 catches, 171 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, when you have that duo at wide receiver, it should make a lot of quarterbacks look good, but Tua Tagovailoa deserves all the credit that he's going to get for this game and really all week because – for some of the like he's he's gotten a lot of slander for these past couple of years ever since he was made the fifth pick out of Alabama by the Dolphins. But um listen, he's he's wins football games and again he he put together a career day for him this past weekend. Yeah, man. I mean, I think Tua, obviously the narrative around him is he can't throw the ball deep. And obviously he does not have the strongest arm in the NFL, but taking it, let's just put it in perspective. All right. Obviously. Guys, like, like if you if, if you give Aaron Rodgers or like just a top quarterback in the league, right? Like Jalen Waddle and even Patrick Mahomes, like Tom Brady, Josh Allen. If you give Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill to them, right? Like, obviously, you really you got fast, talented, like really good wide receivers. I guarantee, like, I still hear a lot of people saying like, "Oh, it was only because like he has these receivers." Like, if you put Aaron Rodgers on the Dolphins. And he's throwing to these receivers. People aren't going to use that narrative. Like, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is, like, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But, like, people aren't going to be like, oh, Aaron Rodgers only did good. Because, like, the receivers, like, they're going to give Aaron Rodgers credit. So, I think to attack of a low, you still got to throw the ball deep. He did that. Um, yeah, I think he deserves credit. I think this wide receiver duo is absolutely unreal right now. I mean, just insanely fast, just really hard to guard. And, yeah, that Baltimore Ravens pass defense, like, that secondary, I don't know what was wrong. I did not watch that much of this game, but, like, I don't know what it was. Like, Tyree Kill, I know the guy's fast, but he's just running downfield and he's just wide open. Like, I know it's not that easy to guard the guy, but I don't I, I don't know, like, what was going on with their defense. But this is a really good game, really good comeback by the Dolphins. I think they made a statement by coming back in this game. And, yeah, I mean, 2-0 and after two games. I mean, Lamar Jackson obviously balled down this game. Rashad Bateman. Um, great route on Xavion Howard, 75-yard touchdown. But, yeah, I think this game honestly says more about um, the Dolphins and um, that offense of theirs. Yeah, I mean, underrated, too, in their offense. Their offensive line played great, only gave up one sack for Tua. So that's definitely a unit that has struggled in his passing. Tua really hasn't had a ton of time. I know Tua, a lot of this, they do a lot of quick game stuff there. But still, like you said, this past weekend, they were really – 
driving the ball a bit more downfield. So hats off to their offensive line. They definitely rebuilt that well in the offseason. Yeah, before I get kind of talking a little bit about the Dolphins and where I think they stand in the AFC, I mean, you got to tip your cap to Lamar Jackson. I mean, that guy did everything this past weekend. 318 yards in the air, three touchdowns to add nine yard, uh, nine carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown on the ground for a long of a 79-yard touchdown run. I mean, it sucks to lose a game where you play that dominant in, but again, it's a team effort. And their defense definitely has to figure some things out because the, the the Ravens, obviously, if you ask me, I think are the best team in the AFC North. But you're not going anywhere if you're going to let Tua tug of my lower throw for 469 yards on you. Because as much as I can praise Tua and stuff like that, there are better quarterbacks that the Ravens are going to play this season than Tua tug of my lower. So they definitely have to figure it out. I'm sure that they will. But bring it back to the Miami Dolphins conversation about where I think they stand in the AFC core. Listen, if if they can get Tua playing at this level, I mean, they can go toe-to-toe with anybody. I know they have a huge divisional game this week with the Buffalo Bills. Do I think maybe they're necessarily ready to take down the Buffalo Bills? Not personally. I think we'll get into how dominant the Bills have been these past two weeks. But I think the Dolphins are definitely giving themselves maybe a chance to compete against these top-tier teams in the AFC. I'm not necessarily saying take them down, but you know, obviously, the playoffs, anything happens and stuff like that. I think the Dolphins through the first two weeks, you watch them, they kind of pass the eye test and they look like, all right, like this is a playoff football team. Like we were going into the year, people were like, yeah, maybe Miami wins like eight, nine games. They'll be on like the border. No, I think Miami's a 10 win, uh, maybe even 11 win football team that will be in the playoffs come January. Yeah, man, I agree. I, I don't, I don't think they're on the bills level yet though, but I mean, on our own um, episode, like before the season started, I, I like this Dolphins team. I mean, last year, more of their identity was kind of, defense i mean obviously was brian brian flores you bring more of an offensive mega mind in um coach mcdaniel but yeah i, I don't think they're really i mean th- this is gonna be a big test for them again against the bills i just think the bills right now just from an eye test i think they're just above everybody in the nfl personally i just think i don't know i think they're on another another level right now i'm curious to see how the dolphins can play with them but i just think in this division i think it's the bills like i don't see them I don't see the Bills not winning this division. But, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins can go out there. I think you look in the AFC, like, you got you got the Bills. And after that, like, I don't know. I think right now I did pick the Chargers to get to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, after two weeks, I think the clear-cut best team in the AFC and the league is the Bills. So, after the Bills are right now, I mean, like, the Dolphins could fit in with other teams. Like, I wouldn't even say, like, the Chiefs right now are, like, really, like, that much better than the Dolphins. Like, I think the Dolphins are up there right now. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how this team plays this year and um, what their ceiling is. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm not ready to put them into the Chiefs category yet. Again, I'll just ride with my guy Patrick Mahomes there and how dominant he's been really ever since he's taken over there. So, I'll, I'll be a little, like, more bleak on the Dolphins there. But, I mean, I picked, like, Cincinnati and Denver, who we'll talk about a little later to make the playoffs. I think – the Dolphins are a better football team than both of them. And they've shown it through the first two weeks. And I know, obviously, maybe that's a little bit of an overreaction, but like I just don't. I was a firm believer in the Dolphins preseason. I'm honestly upset with myself. I didn't take them to make the playoffs because I'm a huge Mike McDaniel fan. But through two weeks, it's all you can ask for in Miami. And like I said, a big test this week, at home at least, against the Buffalo Bills. Core, Tua's former teammate at the University of Alabama, his former quarterback teammate, actually, Jalen Hurts, also balled out this past week. Hurts went for over 300 yards in the air, added another 57 yards and two rushing touchdowns, three total touchdowns in this game in a 24-7 victory against the Minnesota Vikings. Corey, we were kind of talking, debating these two teams last year, last week, the Eagles and the Vikings. And I think it was pretty clear. I know I think you said the Vikings were the better football team, but I think you watch that game, it's pretty obvious which one really yeah. was the better football team. One and the Eagles are the core, I hate to admit it, man. The Eagles are a little bit scary. I mean, they are they are good everywhere. 100% that Eagles team, I don't know. I, I I was completely wrong. Like, I even texted you. I was like, yeah, really cold take. I think I was also, like, frustrated because I did have Justin Jefferson in fantasy. But, yeah, I mean, the Eagles on both sides are just, like, really good team. I mean, Dalvin Cook really didn't do anything. I mean, Kirk Cousins throws three interceptions. Darius Slay balls out two interceptions, plays great. Great defense on Justin Jefferson. Limits him to 43 yards. You also got James Bradbury over there. Like, I don't know. I mean, then and then the offense, I don't know. I think Jalen Hurts right now, um, through two weeks, I know 
he hasn't really played against like a top tier defense yet, but through two weeks, he he looks like he does not look like the same quarterback from last year. I think the addition of AJ Brown obviously um helps them. But yeah, the Eagles, I think right now, especially like in the NFC, you can make a case like why aren't they the best team like in the NFC right now? I think they're just a very complete team on both sides. So yeah, I know they're in your Giants division, but yeah, I do think the Eagles are scary and if i had to say right now i think they are like the best team considering other things going on with the rams and bucks i'd say right now i think the eagles through two games are the best team in the nfc i mean if they're gonna get that jalen hurt score i would agree with you i think that the eagles are the best team in the nfc i think it's fair to definitely argue that i mean they have the best roster outside of the quarterback position if you look at even the bucks roster yes the rams have more superstar talent there but the eagles just like their offensive and defensive lines are so strong and then yeah they have playmakers now with A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith at the receiver position. Dallas Goddard's a good tight end. Miles Sanders seems like he's kind of getting back into the flow of things. A little bit of a slower year for him, but, you know, he's back running the football well. And then, yeah, the defense, like in the secondary, they bring in C.J. Gardner-Johnson to go along with James Bradbury, who they brought in as well. Darius Slay was great this past Monday night. So it's a very good team. Howie Roseman has done an unbelievable job kind of retooling this Philadelphia Eagles team. They were kind of a mess even going into the start of last year. They kind of surprised people making the playoffs. And now, I mean, they're definitely looking to the top of the NFC. I, I, right now, if you ask me, the NFC is kind of wide open. I think the Buccaneers are like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that like the Buccaneers, like the Eagles are a better team right now than the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers through two weeks haven't been great. I know that they're missing a couple pieces. The Rams have been a little vulnerable. Obviously, week one got smoked, and week two almost really collapsed. So I think there's definitely an opening towards the top of the NFC, and I think that it might be one of those years that like, just the right team gets hot at the right time. But let me tell you something. Early on, Philadelphia definitely has a chance to make some noise. I mean, they're impressive. They're very impressive. I know it's the Lions and the Vikings, so maybe not your like powerhouse NFC teams, but still, that's that they they're on their schedule. Those opponents, and they're still doing an unbelievable job of playing the first through the first two weeks. I think they have Washington this week too, so maybe another decent test. And now Washington one and one just lost to the Lions, but I guess we'll have to wait and see there. Core, I'll shout out the last Alabama quarterback who we'll talk about. Mac Jones got a nice victory, the first one for the Patriots in the 2022 season in Pittsburgh this past week. The Patriots at one and one Pittsburgh. Goes from one and zero to one and one as well. Uh, not too much to talk about on this one. So honestly, Core, we're, we are going to speed right past it. Again, I just don't see a Pittsburgh or New England being a huge, huge contender really in the AFC. I think that's fair. I think they have a lot of questions on specifically both of their offenses. So um, we'll talk about some teams, Core, that maybe don't get a lot of love. You know what I mean? Pittsburgh and New England in the past decade it seems like all my life all we've talked about is them core you know who we've been talking about as a lot of losers these past couple of years the new york giants the new york jets the detroit lions and the jacksonville jaguars but they all were victorious this past sunday core i'm going to be a homer and i'm going to start with my new york football giants 2-0 on the season they improved to with their win over the carolina panthers a 1916 victory uh it's exciting definitely in the brian dable era so far the giants defense is definitely come up and stepped up huge in this, especially in this past week. And with no Kayvon Thibodeau, with no Aziz Ojolari, they were able to hold Baker Mayfield and company in check. Wink Martindale's doing a great job of like working with what he's got. I know this past week, Xavier McKinney was working the box a lot, as well as Julian Love to help try to cover Christian McCaffrey. I love to see that. A lot of other guys stepping up. I know Kenny Galladay didn't even play in this one, only two snaps. So it it's a different feeling around the Giants than it's been in a past few years. I know Daniel Jones still has like he still has his moments where you're like it's year four like you should have outgrown this habit and stuff like that. Definitely missed Kadarius Tony for a wide open game. Missed Bellinger for a touchdown. Although Bellinger did score a touchdown in this one. But yeah, I mean I'm excited. Saquon Barkley didn't really get going like crazy. I thought the Giants offensive line from a run blocking standpoint took a step back from week one to week two. But um yeah two and oh Going into a Monday night football game with Dallas, I mean, the Giants are sitting in a pretty good spot, a lot better than they've been really in the past five, six years. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned their first four games of the year, if they were able to win week one against Tennessee. Like, yeah, they get Carolina at home, Dallas with a backup quarterback at home, and the Bears at home. So, like, yeah, I mean, to say the Giants could start 4-0 is obviously no understatement. Like, I think it's extremely realistic. I didn't really watch that much of this game, but 
Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants culture is a little bit different with Brian Dable. And I kind of I, I like him personally. I like his energy. I like all that. But yeah, I think Dallas's defense is really good. I'm curious to see on Monday night how they can be able to sustain Micah Parsons because honestly, I know I know you're obviously a Giants fan, but I know you're obviously like realistic. I think Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the NFL. I don't know. Like he is just unreal just at what he does. Dude's like outside linebacker, but just like I don't know. I I saw he's like I think he's like in the amount of games he's played, I think he might be first in like sacks. So I'm curious to see how they can contain him. But yeah, I mean the Giants easily could start four and zero, keep relevant in the division, and hey, see where um things go from there. Yeah, listen, that's a big test for Andrew Thomas, who's been graded as one of the top offensive linemen across the whole league. He's awesome in year three. And Evan Neal, the rookie out of Alabama, definitely a big opportunity for him to step up because, yeah, I mean, Dallas's defense through two weeks has been very good. And obviously, Michael Parsons, the star of that defense, a top five conservatively defensive player in football. Core will pivot to the other team in the Big Apple. The New York Jets come back from down 30 to 17 with under two minutes left. They score on a coverage breakdown. Corey Davis, long touchdown. They get an onside kickback. And then Joe Flacco, ISO Joe, with a big touchdown to Garrett Wilson, who had a big day, two touchdowns on the day for him, over 100 yards. Flacco finished with 307 yards and four touchdowns to kind of minimize Nick Chubb's three-touchdown day, which kind of sucks. The Browns, you, you can look back at this game and be like, well, if Cade York just hits the extra point, maybe the Jets, like maybe it's 31-31. Who knows? The Jets probably should have went for like maybe would have went for two. Who knows about that? But what you can say is this, Nick Chubb a couple years ago against the Houston Texans stepped out of bounds so that the Browns could knee out the game. This time he didn't. And what kind of like caused from that? The Browns never saw the ball back in the Jets with an improbable victory. I know like you can't really, um can't really expect something like that to happen, but it kind of almost like, makes you wonder like and it's hard to tell somebody not to score but like sometimes people get mad like I know people were pissed at Chubb when he stepped out of bounds that time but this is that's why they do it though sometimes because it came back to kill him and I mean if Chubb would have possibly went down or the Browns could have ran out the clock and then um that would have been it they would have won by seven points and that would have been it I know obviously in the back of their mind they're not thinking that Cade York's gonna miss an extra point but it sucks but listen I'm not gonna take any, anything away from the Jets they battled in this game and at the end of the day, Joe Flacco gets them their first victory of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think in this game, I don't think you could really fault Nick Chubb, like the guy. Like, yeah, I know last year, I think two years ago, actually against like the Texans, he was like in for a touchdown. He just ran out of bounds and they can need the ball. But like, it's definitely not on Nick Chubb. I think after he scored that, the, the Browns went up 30 to 17. Like, obviously, Cade York. Misses the extra point, like he should make it, but I mean, it happens. The guy hit a fifty-eight yarder last week to win the game, like it happens. But um, thirty to seventeen with under two minutes left, I think the Browns kind of just got very, very comfortable. Like they thought the game was was over, and it basically was. Like how Corey Davis, just like a complete defensive breakdown. Like he is just wide open for a sixty-six yard touchdown, just like. I don't know what – that was just a complete defensive breakdown. Like, you let them score really quick to give them momentum and then an onside kick. Like, it's rare that the offense recovers it, but, like – not the – like, the kicking team recovers it, but, I mean, it could happen. And then, I mean, Joe Flacco on that last drive after they recovered, I think they were just giving up a lot of short checkdowns. And you blink, the Jets are in the red zone. And then, obviously, that touchdown to Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson had himself a day over 100 yards and two touchdowns. But, yeah, I mean – this is a huge win for the Jets. I think for them to get go to one and one, their schedule is kind of tough. I mean, Cincinnati, obviously, we'll talk about their disappointments. Like, looking on the schedule before, they were supposed to be, like, top team in the AFC. Obviously, they haven't been that. But, yeah, I mean, Garrett Wilson, I think, through two games, has, been, has shown a lot of flashes. Like, last week he showed great ability after the catch. This week, just – just able to – good route runner, able to catch the ball, all that. So, yeah, I mean, this Jets team is young. I think Robert Sala is a really good head coach, brings a lot of energy to that team. And I don't know. I'm excited to see how they do. I think if the Jets could split the next two games between the Bengals and the Steelers, I mean, I don't know when Zach Wilkins come back. But I don't know. I think someone was telling me, let's say the Jets win the next two games against the Bengals and – 
the Steelers and week five comes, are you really – and Zach Wilson's good to go. They're playing Stop. the Dolphins. Yeah, that's no, what I'm no, 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 it's it's a no brainer. I mean, exactly. the Jets, even if even if Joe Flacco plays 500 ball the rest of the season, the Jets aren't making the playoffs in the AFC at eight and nine. So no, like, I I think that's a no. You know, like, that, that's crazy. Yes, thanks Joe Flacco, but it, it's Zach Wilson's time. Let's go. Like as much as I hate to say that, like teams are like, like like the like the Jets are realistic. They know like they don't think that they're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. They're playing for a playoff, like a possible 2023 playoff berth and beyond. They're trying to see if Zach Wilson could be a franchise quarterback. So it's Zach Wilson's team, as much as that might suck for Joe Flacco and stuff like that and for how good he's playing. Um, yeah, in, in no world is Joe Flacco taking over. That, yeah, I, I love how people wonder about that stuff. But, hey, listen, it happens. But and who knows? Who knows? Maybe Flacco then would be a good trade deadline though, candidate. Maybe he'll fetch like a late-round pick and he goes to maybe a team that like could use him. Maybe a quarterback goes down or something like that. But that would be – Pretty interesting. The other two teams, the Detroit Lions won 36-27. Amon Saint Brown continues to be a budding superstar in this league. Nine catches, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. Jared Goff, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Good for him. While the rookie Aiden Hutchinson had three sacks in this one. The Jacksonville Jaguars, 24-0 dominant win over the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know if I said it on the episode, Corey, but I was saying it all week to a bunch of people that the Colts had not won in Jacksonville since like 2014. Is it for some reason they just can't play there? 2020, they started off the year, I remember there, and they lost. 2021, they lost in week 18. That knocked them out of the playoffs. Ugly for the Colts right now. I know they didn't have their top two receivers in that one, but good for Trevor Lawrence to get on the board. And Doug Peterson seems to have this Jacksonville Jaguars team a lot more competitive. They're really good for the Lions, too. I didn't really get to say like that. But Dan Campbell definitely has the boys fighting as well. I mean, again, these like even linking the Jets and the Giants into it, these four teams maybe aren't obviously your true contenders, but it's good to see these teams who were bad last year fighting in these games, playing real tough. Uh, some of them under new coaching staff, some of them under returning coaching staffs, and just seeing their young players develop in that. So for the Lions and the Jaguars, good for them to finally get into the win column early in the season. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, through two games, the Lions have looked good. I mean, last week, obviously, against the Eagles, they they battled back. That's a, that's a really good football team in the Eagles, and, and they hung tight. I think, yeah, the Lions are another team. I mean, I feel like – Outside of the quarterback, I mean, right now Jared Goff is a is a journeyman. I was gonna say like a little bit similar to the Jets, like two young teams trying to rebuild with like fiery, energetic head coaches who are trying to like build a, a good culture. And I don't know. I think for through two games, I'd probably get the slight edge definitely to the Lions. The Lions offense has looked good. Amonra St. Brown. I mean, I don't know what took this guy so long. Like. Last year until, like, I don't know what week, he started to just take off. Like, the beginning of the season last year, even, like, the middle of the season, like, he was he was serviceable. Like, and then he just took another step, I think. Yeah, just his involvement in the offense. Like, the guy, I don't know. He Even this game, two carries, 68 yards out of the backfield, nine catches, 160 yard, 116 yards, two touchdowns. Like, yeah, he's just very versatile, just can, can do everything for this team. And – yeah, I think he's developing, obviously, into favorite option for Jared Goff. Honestly, he had four touchdowns. So, yeah, I think this Lions offense is, is sneaky good. I mean, DeAndre Swift in the backfield, too. He's a playmaker. Like, they, And they, they have Jamison William coming back hopefully soon. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Lions' future is kind of bright. Obviously, they have Aiden Hutchinson on defense, Jeff Okuda doing well in the secondary. So, yeah, I think, yeah, the Lions – I don't expect them to make the playoffs, but I think they're a team who will, will be very competitive this season. I expect that fully. And I think they could win anywhere from, I don't know, seven. I mean, like six to eight games. I think that's that's a good number for them. Yeah, listen, this is a team that looks like it's going to compete in their physical up front to their offensive line. They've done a good job building that the past couple of years. And now they got the two bookend tackles and Taylor Decker and – Penny Sewell as well. Now, one last thing I'll mention too. We mentioned the Mount St. Brown having a great game, but Christian Kirk, can I give him some love as well? Two touchdowns for him. The Jaguars paid him all that money in the offseason and they're using him to the best of his ability. And that's good. That's what you're supposed to do when you have a young quarterback and stuff like that. Bringing some weapons around him and Doug Peterson, a good, reputable coach, is finding ways to get him involved. So good for the Jacksonville Jaguars and those fans there. Core, we'll talk about, we kind of mentioned the top of the AFC before and the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Both of those two teams improved to 2-0. We'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs, who took down the Chargers on Thursday Night Football. I wouldn't say that, Core, this was maybe 
the game that like everybody expected on Thursday night football. I know it maybe looks a lot closer because of the late touchdown that Justin Herbert threw, which if you actually was crazy, I think I don't know if he's got fractured ribs or something like that. Literally, the play before Herbert couldn't like run like two yards for the first down. The next one, he's throwing a 40-yard frozen rope. And then they score in the next play to make it 27-24. You had, like, an early back-and-forth action. There were, like, two touchdowns in, like, the first three minutes of the second quarter. Outside, you had a big pick six in the game where Gerald Everett kind of, like, dogged around a little bit that went for 99 yards. Uh, it's just not the Chargers' time yet. No, I think you picked the Chargers to win the AFC West. I picked them as well. I know they were without Keenan Allen in this game, so I'm not going to, like, Forget about that, obviously, and stuff like that. But Patrick Mahomes just had to – and the Chiefs are just like, yeah, the Chargers got all this hype and stuff, but, like, we're still the team. So a good win for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm definitely looking forward to watching when they square off again at some point this year, and I hope that Keenan Allen is healthy then, which he should be. Yeah, I mean, also another guy they're missing – they paid a lot of money in the offseason, J.C. Jackson at cornerback hasn't been playing. But, yeah, I mean, I think this Chargers team – it's only two weeks in. I think talent-wise, you know they're going to be there. Like, they can compete with the top teams in the AFC. But honestly, I just think, like right now, like I said, like I think the Bills are above everyone. So, but I think with everyone else, like, yeah, they're one of those teams in the mix who I think could be the second-best team. I know the Chiefs won this game. But I think obviously the difference in this game, we know, was that, that 99-yard pick six when you're in the red zone and – what was his name again? Oh, um, Jalen, Jalen Watson. Yeah. Um, working at Wendy's a few years ago, Jalen Watson with that pick six completely changed the game. I think, yeah, Brandon Staley, I think, yeah. Everett caught two passes in a row, signaled to the sideline for a break, and they went like no huddle. And he looked gas. I'm not saying that's on the coach. I think it's good to push your players. I, I I'm not Gerald Everett, but I mean, it also seemed like after that pit, ball got picked, like he did not – he was, like, falling down kind of, but, like, really did not give any type of effort to, like, make a tackle or anything. But, yeah, that's definitely the change in this game. The Chiefs – um yeah, they made a 24-17 Chiefs, and it was just tough to come back from that. But, yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert definitely showed a lot of guts in this after that third down on that last drive when clearly had a first down and could have just used his legs. He throws the ball away. I thought the guy has broken ribs. He does have, like, broken rib cartridges. But, yeah, the next play throws an absolute dime to DeAndre Carter. So, I think Charge will be just fine. Like, Justin Herbert showed he's a he's a competitor. He's a dog. So, I think as long as they have him as your quarterback, you'll be in a lot of games. You'll be winning a lot of games. So, I think these are two of the best teams in the AFC. And um, hopefully we get to see these. Obviously, we'll see, we'll see these teams again. But hopefully we can see them in the playoffs. Because whenever these two teams play, it always comes down to a, to a close game. Yeah, for sure. You'd love to see these quarterbacks square off. And it almost seemed like the Chargers might have the Chiefs on the ropes a little bit. It was 17-7 after the Chargers scored coming out of halftime. And then Patrick Mahomes to like one of their other no-name receivers, maybe like Watson was his name or something, number 84, throws an absolute rope to him. Then the Chargers punt a couple of times. And then obviously in a tie game, uh, you can't you can't throw a pick six on it. Like it just, you know what I mean? Of course, that's a big turning point in the game early in the fourth quarter. So it sucks. Herbert and the Chargers are going to have to wait their day to take the Chiefs down. Moving on to the Buffalo Bills core. We mentioned how they just look unbeatable. It, 41 to 7 against the Tennessee Titans. I know the Titans maybe aren't the same team that they were last year. They're not the same team that they were last year. But Josh Allen, 317 yards and four touchdowns in the air without his number two receiver and Gabriel Davis. Stephon Diggs, 12 receptions, 148 yards and three touchdowns. Like what's gotten so dominant, if you ask me, this year with the Buffalo Bills, the past couple of years, obviously with Josh Allen, has, he's ascended to a top quarterback in this league. Their passing offense has been so dynamic. Their secondary has been normally pretty good as well. Like the trenches weren't great. Their offensive line was serviceable, but they never really had a run game. And the defensive line was like, yeah, they brought in a lot of pass rushers last year and they did a great job of getting after Mahomes in the playoffs. Their run defense, they, I mean, Derrick Henry averaged like 1.6 yards a carry. Their run defense was excellent. It was awesome. I mean, if you can win in the trenches when you have Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and then their safeties and Poyer, Micah Hyde, I know they're going to get Jadavious White back at some point this season. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, that middle linebacker. I mean, it, it's a dangerous – it's scary how well they're clicking in Buffalo, especially after they just lost their offensive coordinator and Brian Dable. Ken Dorsey has not missed a beat. To start the year off against the reigning Super Bowl champion and the number one seed in your conference the year before and blow both of them out, pretty impressive. They got another big test this week with Miami. But, I mean, again, like 
it's it's incredible that that it was it was a wow game if you ask me watching buffalo again last week they had one of them in week one and then again in week two it's just like they're dominant yeah man i think through two weeks the um yeah the buffalo bills i mean like i've said it multiple times probably like it's not even close i think they're just a step above every single team in the nfl right now and like you said yeah that that run defense i know derrick henry obviously like last week did not look great, but yeah, this week they he scores a touchdown early in the first quarter, and I think after that, like he completely gets shut down. Average less than two yards per carry. I mean, he's a big guy, and he's just getting swarmed by by defensive tackles. Like I don't know the tr- like the Bills. I know Taylor Lewan got hurt in this game, but like the Bills defensive line, they just got some dudes like some big bodies able to just fight through the offensive line, and yeah, I mean. They're applying pressure to Ryan Tannehill. And like you said, like the secondary is elite too. So, I mean, you, you have – and then like on offense, like, you have Josh Allen, the dual threat, probably the best quarterback in the league um, in my opinion. And Stephon Diggs, a top five receiver on the outside. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like there's just not much to say about it, but just like how scary it is for this team and – I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say a bold take. I think if the Bills, I don't know their schedule exactly, but like if you're telling me if they're clicking like this, obviously injuries happen in football. It's a rough, like very physical game. I don't know. I hate to like I hate to this is this is what you call overreaction after two games. It's like how they're looking. Hey, why not a 17 and 0 team? I mean, I just think like they're they're just like looking so dominant, and, like blowing out both teams. I know it's really early. And honestly, since I say that, like, they'll probably lose to the Dolphins because that's just the curse. But, hey, you know, this podcast, they need a little spice up. That's my bold take. The Bills go 17-0 after watching them for two games. Yeah, cool. I mean, you got me bringing up their schedule. And don't get me wrong, it would be a well-earned 17-0. They definitely have to go to Baltimore. They have to go to Kansas City. They host the Packers. So they got some tough games on there. But, I mean – if you ask me the best team, like the past couple of years, was probably that I watched in the regular season. It was probably like the first half of the Chiefs season when they went like 14 and two, like they were really 14 and one, but they arrested their team in week 17 that week. I think it was 2020. Like they were just real dominant in the first half of that. Like it, it just makes me th- like the Bills are a better team. Like they're all around their better team. Now, do I think they still have a little bit of a problem with their run game? Yes, they do, but that they more than compensate for it. So I'm excited to see them against Miami this week. That's another test for them. And uh, Miami's definitely going to have their hands full with Buffalo. And hopefully they can get Gabriel Davis back. Cause like I said, they just dropped 40 points without their number two receiver, which is even more impressive core. We've talked about some good teams. Now let's talk about teams that might have to panic. And we will start first in Vegas with the Las Vegas Raiders who are up 20 to nothing and 23 to seven against the Arizona Cardinals in the fourth quarter. Kyler Murray scores two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. He gets two two-point conversions to bring them to overtime. The Cardinals go for it on fourth down in overtime. Marquise Brown drops the ball. Great hit by uh, Deron Harmon. The Raiders get the ball back. It looks like, all right, maybe they'll set themselves up for a game-winning field goal. Daniel Carson, awesome kicker. Hunter Renfro fumbles. Byron Murphy picks it up, runs it into the end zone, and the Cardinals walk out of Vegas with a win to kind of escape what would have been an ugly start. I mean, if you would have looked at that game going into the fourth quarter – uh, who knows what it would have been like in Arizona starting off 0-2 for a team that notoriously supposed to start real good under Cliff Kingsbury, and they just paid Kyler Murray all this money. But for the Raiders, a team that had a lot of offseason hype, don't get me wrong, two tough games to open up with against the Chargers and the Arizona Cardinals. But under the Josh McDaniels era, uh, definitely sucks a little bit and in such a tough division core. I'm going to hit the panic button a little bit if I'm the Las Vegas Raiders. That was the game that you had to win. See, I mean – I'm not going to hit the the panic button on them just yet. Like, this was a pretty good football game played by them until, yeah, I mean, the fourth quarter comes and you get it outscored 16 to nothing, and then you lose in overtime. Like, that's just a bad loss. I mean, it is a 17-game season, so I'm not hitting the panic button yet. Uh, I'll tip my cap a little bit to Kyler Murray in this game, obviously. He, he balled out, especially in that second half, showed a lot of heart, um, especially on that last drive just doing everything he can to, to will this team. Because outside of Kyler Murray, like, I really don't – like, this team is not – I don't know. They just don't got that much on both sides. I mean, 
yeah, they really don't. If you look at the, their roster, like Kyler Murray obviously has to do a lot for this team. And, and he does do a lot, obviously. Had that rushing touchdown um, on the last drive of the game, towards the end of the game. So, yeah, I mean, I'll give – I'll. I'll tip my cap a little to the to the Cardinals on this. I'll just call it – I'll give the Raiders a little bit of a pass, just like in terms of like worrying about them just because we're only two games in. But, yeah, this next game, they got to go into Tennessee, two teams that are 0-2. You put yourself – you definitely put yourself in a tougher situation. But if they go out there and lose this game, I'll say I'm, I'm panicked. But they played they played a solid game for, for three quarters. You just got to gotta finish the deal in the fourth quarter and – yeah, I'm not panicked about them yet, but if they go out there and lose to Tennessee, yeah, I think it's definitely panic time, especially in a division where, you, I mean, you're going to be playing the, the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos are going to pick it up, I think. Um, just can't score touchdowns right now, but I think, yeah, you have a new quarterback. I think they'll pick it up. But, yeah, then you're playing the Chiefs twice. You got the, the Chargers one more time. Like, you start 0-3 with five more division games. Like, I think it's just going to be mm-hmm. tough for them to make the playoffs. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of where I'm getting at, even with them starting 0-2 and just like the way that they lost. But you're 100% right, honestly. Maybe I am being a little too critical critical on them because they played a great first 45 minutes. Unfortunately, the game's 60 minutes long and you got to finish it. But at the end, of, Kyler Murray was spectacular in that fourth quarter. So I don't want to say like necessarily like, like you got to tip your cap a little bit, but that's a football game. You just have to win. There's no excuses if you have to that. Your home opener too under Josh McDaniel have to win that football game. But yeah. Huge, huge game for Tennessee. Who Tennessee is a team like if I like I'm panicking a lot more in Tennessee. I think Tennessee looks ten times worse than Vegas, and maybe that's why I'm saying I'm panicking with Vegas because I have higher expectations possibly for this Raiders team than I do like a team like the Titans. I don't think the Titans are a playoff team. I didn't think they were in the preseason. I don't think they are now. Through two weeks, they haven't ran the ball great. Even against the Giants, they weren't like dominant on the ground like they used to. Ryan Tannehill clearly misses AJ Brown. Um, their defense was all right. The, it was great in the first half against the Giants, and the second half slowed up a little bit. Buffalo torched them in the secondary. So, yeah, I would be shaking if I was the Tennessee Titans. I'm also curious, Core, about their AFC South foe, the Indianapolis Colts at 0-1-1, an ugly loss in Jacksonville. Matt Ryan, it's tough for life outside of Atlanta for him right now. I mean, how do you feel about those two teams in particular? Are you worrying more about one than the other? And, I mean – we mentioned that the Raiders are going to play the Titans this week. The Colts, it doesn't get easier for them. They got a, they're got they at home, but they're going to play Kansas City. So two tough games for both of those AFC South teams. See, I'd say I'm worried about both these teams, like in regards of being like a solid football team. Like, I don't know. I don't think – like the ceilings on both these teams, I think, yeah, you win the division. And then, hey, I mean, or you can make a bold – I wouldn't say it yet, but like bold prediction – I mean, you could say easily, like, the Texans and, and Jaguars definitely look better than the Titans and Colts, but I don't expect those teams to win the division. But those teams are a lot younger. But I don't know. I'd say I'm definitely more worried about the Titans just because the Colts are a team who in previous years have showed – I know they have a new quarterback, but, like, they've shown that they get off to slow starts in – in the season mm-hmm. and they're able they're able to come back from it and um like yeah they were like one in five a few years ago ended up finishing the season i don't know like way over 500 made the playoffs uh, yeah beat the texans in that wild card round when they had to show watson and lost to the chiefs but yeah I, I would say i'm more worried about the titans just because also like derrick i mean you lose aj brown derrick henry is your guy um to usually run this offense like like he's the he the offense kind of runs through Derrick Henry, even with A.J. Brown. Now you don't even have A.J. Brown on the outside. And I know it's only two games. He's coming off an injury. Like, I full, I still expect Derrick Henry to find his groove. But, like, hey, you you were saying, like, he is kind of getting up there a little bit in age. Like, they have rode him so hard over the last, like, few years. Like, his workload is crazy. I know he's 6'3", 6'4", almost 250 pounds. But, like, as a running back, like, it just – adds up he's coming off a foot injury and through two games he just hasn't looked the same I know his yards per carry is definitely down so if you're gonna tell me that Derrick Henry is not like the same Derrick Henry and it's like not even that close like he's taking a, a drop off I mean you're asking Ryan Tannehill to be that guy while losing AJ Brown so I'd certainly say I'm more worried about the Tennessee Titans but hey I wouldn't I'm still worried about the Colts but I'm more worried about the Titans. I think the Colts can 
get it going just off previous experiences on um, slow starts. I mean, they didn't have Michael Pittman in this game. I think that's a big loss, especially when they don't really have a deep wide receiver core. I mean, you have John, Jonathan Taylor, but if, when you're losing the whole game, you, mm-hmm. you can't really run the ball that much. So, yeah, I'm worried about both these teams, but I'd say I'm more worried about the Titans. Yeah, you make a great point about, like, the Colts wide receiver core not even being too deep, too, because Alec Pierce, their rookie second rounder out of Cincinnati, was also – out for this one. But yeah, they do start slow. That was also a good thing that you put up. So I'm in, I'm in agreement with you there. I'm definitely more worried about the Titans. The one thing I'll say about the Colts is that maybe you were thinking that like if you get spectacular QB out of play out of Matt Ryan, like the Colts I thought were a great football team last year that maybe like Wentz was just like a little too erratic, especially towards the end of the year. Although he played like decent football at certain points. Like I thought they should have been in the playoffs. They were like one of the 12 best teams or 14 best teams in the NFL. Like this year, maybe like their ceiling isn't as high. Yeah, do I think that they're going to win the South, the AFC South yet? Do I think they're just too talented of a team? And I think they will eventually figure it out. But I, do I think that this is maybe not a 12-win team? No. Like, like through the first two weeks, it, it, it's been a little gross there. Um, A couple other teams in the AFC core that we definitely want to talk about here. The Cincinnati Bengals are starting 0-2, and the Denver Broncos are 1-1. But it's kind of an ugly one and one. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett looks kind of overmatched as a head coach. I know they just barely escaped that game against Houston in Denver. So I'm curious, Corey, between which of these two teams are you a little bit um are you a little bit more worried for? And if you had to choose, I know obviously the Broncos do actually have a win and the Bengals don't. Who do you think wins more games this year between the Bengals and the Broncos? I mean, I think this is tough. I did pick the Bengals to win the AFC North, but I also like thought the offensive line, I don't know what's going on. I thought that O-line was going to be, um, be, be better. They went out in the off season and got some guys, Alex Kappa, Lael Collins. Like they, they tried upgrading the offensive line. Like they have gone against the Steelers, a really good defense with TJ Watt playing. I mean, the thing is to be fair, like the Bengals, they've gone against probably Two, two of the top pass rushers in in the NFL. I mean, T.J. Watt and Michael Parsons. So, I mean, there's not really that many guys that can guard those guys. Like, those guys are just freaks. I mean, they're going to get their, their QB hurries. Like, they're going to get to the quarterback. So, uh, I'm going to stick with it. I think the Bengals win more games. I think the Broncos also – I know the AFC North's a very tough, tough division, but I don't think it's nearly as talented as the AFC West. So. I think the Broncos are gonna pick it up. I th- this is a tough. This is a tough question, but I'm gonna say the Bengals win more games. I think Joe Burrow eventually, like, I think this week against the Jets, I think it's got to be some type of a get right game for the mm-hmm. Bengals. It's honestly, also a mo- kind of a must win game. Like, really can't you really don't want to drop to three zero oh, and three, and yeah, you're not really going against any elite pass rusher. I mean, Carl Lawson, the guy's coming off torn Achilles. And he's not he's nowhere near Micah Parsons or TJ Watts. So I think the Bengals this week's gotta be a get right game for them. Gotta get a win. And I think they'll win more games than the than the Broncos. Yeah, I don't think you can emphasize enough how much of a must-win game this is this week against the Jets, especially because the Jets are coming off a nice win in Cleveland. Like they're gonna be a little maybe a little bit in over their head, obviously, about that. Like this is an absolute game, especially because Cincinnati lost two in New York last year, embarrassingly to Mike White. Yeah, this is a place where Cincinnati should try to hang 45 points on them and get and be – they struggle with the Jets in this one. I would write Cincinnati I, – I, I don't think it's, like, crazy to say write Cincinnati off for the rest of the year. Listen, Cincinnati last year was 10-7. and seven. They did win the division. They had a lot of things that go right for them last year. And I never thought – like, they never sold me as a team that was really one win away from going to the Super Bowl. They won a lot of close games, which, listen, that's part of football. I mean, even in this one, they were down – to Dallas and stuff like that. And then they came, they come all the way back, which is exactly what they did in week one, but it just wasn't enough. And as Brett Maher, I believe is that a kicker back in Dallas hit like a 50 yard field goal to win that game. So you're right though, with the offensive line, it's definitely still not fixed. Joe Burrow's taking a lot of sacks there. So they have to fix that. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure who I'll, I guess I'll go on the opposite. I'll go with the Broncos hoping that Nathaniel Hackett can figure it this thing out. I think that the Broncos roster, if you compare it to the Bengals, there's still a lot of talent there, especially on the defensive side of the ball in Denver. And I just have like I got faith in Russell Wilson, but I, I don't know. I don't know really how I feel. I don't I don't feel like great between either of these two teams. And obviously it's a little bit early and I don't want to necessarily write these two teams off. But these are two teams that definitely had 
high preseason expectations. But I think it's fair after two weeks, Corey, to definitely like lower them a little bit because I, I just don't see. I know, again, like I said, it's early, and maybe one of these two teams will rip off a win streak and stuff like that. But I don't know. Like, and maybe it's because Buffalo looks so good, and then you look at some of these other teams. But again, struggling with Houston at home. Uh, play clock errors like that like that just stuff shouldn't happen like the same issues plaguing the Bengals again like you got to fix certain certain things there the Broncos have a tough game this week at home against the 49ers that maybe could kind of show you all right maybe if the Broncos come out right in that game and win that you're like all right like two and one after three weeks we're not where we want to like maybe we're not like offensively and defensively where we want to be but that's not a bad record at all so that, that that's a big spot for them too as well to kind of see if they can compete with the real good team because that's definitely a step up from they played Seattle and they played Houston so far so the 49ers are a step up there so I like I said long answer I'm not 100% sure who wins more games between the Bengals and the Broncos I think maybe the Broncos win one more one or two more games just because I I don't know I'm I'm also a pretty anti-Bengals fan that means anything. But core, the Broncos will play this week against the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers were victorious this past week against the Seattle Seahawks, but they did lose Trey Lance to a season-ending ankle injury, which is brutal for me. The 49ers were my pick to represent the NFC. I wanted to get a little bit bold um, picking my Super Bowl and my NFC champion. I thought Lance was primed for a huge step this year in year two. I know he didn't really play a ton in year one. Had a tough game against the Chicago Bears. Obviously, the weather was really a mess there, so you kind of give him a, cut him some slack. But this hurts the 49ers Super Bowl chances. We kind of have seen where Jimmy G can take this team and stuff like that. And listen, this is not a knock on Jimmy G. The 49ers, like their floor is higher with Jimmy G at quarterback than Trey Lance. I think it's obvious. I think, again, I think the 49ers are still going to be a steady team. They're probably going to be a playoff team with Jimmy Garoppolo, but could they be a Super Bowl team with Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo can. He's shown the past couple of years that he hasn't been able to like elevate enough to be that Super Bowl level quarterback or and have Kyle Shanahan have some faith in him to make the big play there. Whereas Trey Lance, at least you have that shot. And you know how much of a dynamic athlete he is. So I think that like some 49ers fans right now are like, yes, like we're getting Jimmy G. We're comfortable with him. We know he wins football games in the regular season. But core at the end of the day, what's the difference between being? Nine and eight missing the playoffs and eleven and six losing in the wild card. Like to me, I, it doesn't. Like there's, there's no quantifying losing. Whether you lose in the Super Bowl or you go zero and seventeen, like you still lost. If you ask me, that's just how I kind of view it. So to lose like your ceiling, if you ask me, like a big chunk of what could potentially have been like where Trey Lance could have taken this team uh, if he would have played well, I think is is a really tough loss for San Francisco. They're going to be okay with Jimmy, like I said, but um, unless they take some serious strides. Uh, I, I don't I think San Francisco Super Bowl hopes got real hindered this past week. Like I said, like I haven't seen that much of of Trey Lance, but like see, I mean obviously Lance, like we this was gonna be the year like we get to see what he can do. And personally, I don't think this year they were gonna win a Super Bowl with Trey Lance, but the thing is like, yeah, I mean, with Trey Lance, obviously your ceiling is higher. Yeah, I mean, it goes both ways. Like, your ceiling is higher with Trey Lance compared to Jimmy G, but also I'd say, yeah, like, your floor is worse with Trey Lance than it is with Jimmy G. So, yeah, I think – I honestly agree with you. I think you get Jimmy G going in there like you're kind of – I wouldn't say you're settling for mediocrity, but, I mean, like, they've proven, like – I mean, the thing is with Jimmy G, like, they've gotten to a Super Bowl – They've gotten to an NFC championship game, like, and almost beat the Rams last year. That that's the thing. Like, if Jaquiski Tart catches that interception, they're probably in the Super Bowl. So I think I don't know. I think Jimmy G, I think this is another chance for him to prove like he could lead this team. I think Jimmy G, like, I wouldn't the thing is though, like, I wouldn't say the ceiling is this like mediocrity. Cause like with Jimmy G, you've had a, you've made it to the Super Bowl and you've played mm-hmm. a real tight game into the NFC Championship game. It's not like they're losing first round every time. Like they're winning playoff games with Jimmy G. Like I'm not saying he's that good, but like they, he's, he's just kind of like a winner. I think it was I know. Just- I, I know. I know what you're saying. I think Jimmy. Yeah, I 100 percent think I agree with you on that sense. I'm sorry to kind of cut in here, but yeah, yeah. I I, th- I think that people maybe give Jimmy like they don't really understand. Like Jimmy G went on the road last year to Dallas and to Green Bay and won playoff games there. Like you should not knock that at all. The end was a quarter away from going into 
Los Angeles and beating the Rams as well on the road. So yeah, and maybe mediocrity maybe isn't the right thing. Now, do I think that maybe you're like leveling out your ceiling potentially? Like as like maybe you can't step into the upper echelon of the top NFC teams? Yeah, maybe. But again, yeah, with Jimmy Garoppolo, it's, they're not a 500 team with Jimmy Garoppolo. This 49ers team is still very capable of winning 11, 12 games like they have in the past under Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I, like again, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I think I think the 49ers, like I said, I think they're going to be okay. And who knows if they strike lightning in a bottle like they did last year. Now, do I think that they won the playoff games last year because of Jimmy G? Absolutely not. I think Kyle Shanahan, even in the Rams game, took like clearly didn't trust him the way he was calling plays late in that game to go make a play. But that beats me. They got they got the rest of the season to figure it out. But good that Jimmy Garoppolo is there. Imagine if they would have cut Jimmy G and then Lance would have gotten hurt in week two. I don't even want to think about what fans would have done to uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan over there. That, that, that could have gotten pretty ugly. Imagine, too, if they would have traded him to Dallas like early in the week this past week. Oh, my goodness. That would have been – I mean, that would have just been absolutely nuts. Real quick, we're wrapping up before we get into our game picks. The Rams got back on track as well as the Green Bay Packers. The Rams almost blew a 28-3 lead against the Atlanta Falcons. How ironic would that have been? Definitely scary for them. So at 1-1 one and one right now, they kind of got to figure it out a little bit. They played three good quarters in that game, but the tail end of that game was not pretty for them. Uh, the Packers look good on Sunday Night Football. Not too much to talk to about there. Maybe not the true, true dominant self there. I thought the Bears maybe hung around in that game well. But at the end of the day, the Packers were victorious. Aaron Jones, week two Aaron Jones, as you say, core is a different breed. Lastly, the Saints-Buccaneers beef is real as Mike Evans is again ejected from a game. Marshawn Lattimore ejected against Marshawn Lattimore. It seems like those two guys really do hate each other. Marshawn Lattimore normally has his number. Mike Evans, I mean, he like blanketed him. I think it was both games last year. Mike Evans got a single catch in both of those. But – Evans is going to be suspended for one game, which sucks because Tom Brady hasn't been really great these past two games. Obviously, he's missing Chris Godwin this past week. Julio Jones was not there. And obviously, offensive line, a bunch of different pieces there. Dennis Allen normally does have his number, too, as we see. That was Brady's first regular season win against the Saints as a member of the Buccaneers. But I'm not really panicking on either of those teams. I thought the Saints, and they turned the ball over a ton in the second half with Jameis Winston. But I think um, I think they're both going to be okay. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too, too worried about that. I think Mike Evans was a suspension warranted. Maybe do I think Mike Evans is in the wrong? Absolutely not. He's defending his quarterback there, but um, yeah, for the long run, like I said, I'm not, I'm not too, too worried about either of these two teams. I thought, but I mean, it was a very low scoring game. Both of these defenses still are to the top in the NFC. I mean, so uh, you have two great defense. Like you have a great defense, like both these teams do. You're going to hang in a lot of football games. You're going to win some football games this year. So I'm not too, too worried about that, but I definitely want to touch on, um, the fight again, because, I mean, it's crazy now that Mike Evans twice has done this to Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, I mean, it's clear these guys just just don't like each other. Obviously, they have a lot of beef, to be fair. Like, Marshawn Lattimore has kind of get, definitely gotten the best of Mike Evans over the years. Obviously, these guys have gone against each other and battled it out. And, yeah, I mean, Marshawn Lattimore has got the best. Obviously, Mike Evans has been frustrated. But, yeah, I mean, this scenario, I don't really blame um, Mike Evans. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore just – talking it like chirping up guys on the bucks and then he talks chirps up the goat like first off he's your quarterback like you always got to protect your quarterback and second off he's tom brady like i know he said after like he's like it's tom brady what do you expect me to do like i kind of i kind of agree with that like you got to protect your quarterback and he's the goat so i mean hey if, if it's gonna cost mike evans a one game suspension i mean if you're todd bowles if you're tom brady like i mean you gotta say like hey I, I would definitely not mad. Can't be mad at Mike Evans. Obviously, if anything, like you're just like, hey, good looks on standing up for your quarterback, standing up for the GOAT. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one game, Mike Evans can eat that. The Buccaneers can eat that. I think they'll be fine. I think both these teams will be fine. I think the Buccaneers, um, yeah, I mean, this is the first, like this was like a low-scoring game for a lot of this game. They end up winning 20-10. to 10. Um, Buccaneers had some turnovers, but yeah, I mean, Tom Brady against his defense never really excels. I don't know. Dennis Allen just gets the best of him. But, hey, I mean, the Bucks defense balled out. And I think both these teams are pretty solid, well-rounded teams. I'd say both, like, both these teams, like, their defenses are better than their offenses. But, hey, I still think the Buccaneers are going to win this division. I think the Saints are a playoff team. So, yeah, these teams will see each other soon. But, yeah, not really worried. I think both these teams will be fine. Yeah, good to know that we're on 
the same page there. Interesting to see who's going to be healthy then in that wide receiver room as well. If they don't have Mike Evans this week, then potentially Godwin coming back from an injury, Julio Jones. I know they just brought in Cole Beasley, so will he be ready to go? Who knows? Going to have to look at that. So a lot of questions, I guess, early on in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiver room. I believe Russell Gage, too, is a little banged up as well. So, I mean, again, it's tough life there to be a wide receiver. I do got Brashad Perryman, though. Caught a nice touchdown this past week. Cool. That brings us to our week three game picks. We'll kind of go through these quick. We've talked about a lot of these teams in our episode that we're going to be picking the games for. We've mentioned this one a bunch. The Bills score five and a half points in Miami playing the 2-0 Dolphins. Both these two teams playing for the crown of the AFC East in week three. Who's going to walk in, walk out of there at 3-0 core? We'll start with you first. Who do you like in this one? I mean, my bold prediction was the Buffalo Bills to go 17-0. <laughs> so, I'm going to ride with the Bills. I'll take them to cover this spread. I'll keep it brief. I just think they're uh, – they're on another level right now. So I think they get to Tua. I think the offense, Josh Allen, I think they have no answers for Josh Allen. I think Stephon Diggs has another big day. I don't know if Gabe Davis will be back, but I don't think it matters. I think the Buffalo Bills win, proved a 3-0 and covered spread. Yeah, listen, I would love to say that the Dolphins as underdogs here would be able to utilize their speed at receiver to kind of like a couple question marks at corner for the Buffalo Bills with Tredavious White still at. They just lost one of their corners to the injury. Uh, they have a good offensive front, so they can match Buffalo's dominant defensive front. So I'd love to pick the Dolphins, as, but there's just no way I could pick against this Bills team with how good they're playing. So I think the Bills with the points there. Uh, again, I'll keep it brief there. I think that I think there's a chance in this game to have a whole ton of points. Uh, but who knows a little bit? Because, again, this is a huge test for two and talking about lower two. This is the Ravens secondary that is going against. That's going to leave Tyreek Kill and Jalen Waddle tens of yards open down the field. So who knows about that? But yeah, I'm going to ride with the Bills here at five and a half points. The Rams are three and a half points in Arizona playing the Cardinals. The Cardinals really might have, I don't want to say like save their season in a sense because it's way too early, but if they would have dropped the 0-2, it would have been ugly. Not sure exactly about James Conner's health. He left that game against the Raiders. Even without him, I'll take the Cardinals to keep it close, so I'll take them with the plus three and a half. But I think the Rams are just an overall better football team, so I'll take them ultimately to win the game. I don't think that the Cardinals' defense is good enough, and I think Matthew Stafford will go on a game-winning drive in this one to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take the Los Angeles Rams in this game. I think the Cardinals really aren't that good of a team. I think, yeah, Kyler Murray, I think, is the key part of their success. I think they kind of stole a game in, on the road against um the, the Raiders. But, yeah, I think the Rams obviously got a win last week. I expect them to keep it rolling here in an NFC West battle. So, yeah, I think the Rams win this game and cover, cover the spread here. Get the job done. All right, moving on quarter, a top battle in the NFC. I'll start with you first. The Packers travel to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's two-point favorites. Do you like Rodgers or do you like Brady here? Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of a little bit of a, a trap line. I think – I know obviously Mike Evans isn't playing. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. You know, I, I think the play in this game has got to be the under. I don't know if that's a trap. I think it's at 42 right now. I – I don't know. I think this is a game like, yeah, you see two top quarterbacks of all time, but I don't know. I really don't see that many points being scored in this game. I think both offenses, um, especially if Mike Evans doesn't play and Chris Godwin doesn't play. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play, but yeah, I know he didn't play last week. I mean, you're just like lacking weapons on the outside for, for both teams. Like those two don't play like, yeah, what do you have? You have um, an old Julio Jones, like, I just don't see a lot of playmakers on the outside for both these teams, but I think Tom Brady gets the job done. They win the game at home, but hey, come back to me after. Um, we'll come back to it next week. I think the under is definitely the play. Yeah, I like the play too there, core, which is why that I'm going to kind of flip my pick here. I was going to take the Packers as dogs here, but yeah, I'm going to take the better defense here. I'll take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as two point favorites. Aaron Rodgers for the first two weeks has been a little sluggish, I guess. I mean, a reigning two time MVP. I love how I'm kind of like slandering him a little bit. But, yeah, not a ton of weapons in this game. So, I'm, I'm going to ride with the Buccaneers. I'm, I'm hoping Leonard Fournette gets going in this one. And, yeah, I'll take the Buccaneers in that one. And Todd Bowles to improve the 3-0 as the head coach there. And our last game, core the 49ers, one and a half points. Favorites traveling to Denver to play the Broncos. I'm going to take the Broncos as underdogs here. I, I know Nathaniel Hackett has had a tough start to 
his career. But a Sunday night game, Russell Wilson, very familiar with the 49ers, obviously playing in the NFC West, has had some success against the 49ers these past couple of years, even with the Seahawks being like not the same team that they were early in Russell Wilson's career. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Broncos here to get a big win and kind of get them back on track. I'm going to agree with you. I think the Broncos come out. I think they get a win here. And, I yeah, I think they're due to, to kind of like click more on offense. I mean, you could say like, yeah, they, they've had they've, – they've played the Seahawks and the Texans, two probably non-playoff teams in um the first two games of the season, and they really have not looked good. But I still think this, this is obviously a talented team. I don't know Jerry Judy's status, but, hey, I mean – there's some teams that play up to their competition. So for me, I'm thinking, hey, I think the Broncos play up to their competition against a solid opponent, a good opponent. And um, the, the San Francisco 49ers, I think they get the job done here and um, and win this game at home in in that in that Denver altitude. Yeah, Jimmy G gets his first start. So definitely curious to see how the team kind of responds to that. I know they seem like they responded well to him coming in, but – First start, a tough place to play Denver on, I believe this is the Sunday night football game too. So definitely a good matchup. I mean, obviously Wilson versus Garoppolo, definitely some familiarity there. So I'm definitely looking forward to that one. But yeah, I'm in agreement with you. As I've mentioned, Corey, I like the Denver Broncos in that one. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check this out on our Instagram at the deep ball underscore great slate of games. As we've just mentioned coming up in week three, we're looking forward to watching them. So take care, everybody. Have a good one.